Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! More details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs> You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, and we are here to bring you another spoiler-free review of Creed 3, the appropriately titled third chapter of the Creed Saga, uh, but more confusingly, the ninth chapter of the Rocky slash Creed Saga. Although there's no Rocky this time, uh, which is obviously a little bit of a controversy, but still, Creed is back, which means Michael B. Jordan is back, both as star and director, and Jonathan Majors is back only about uh, a week after he blew everybody away in Ant-Man Quantumania, uh, and now he's blowing everybody away in Creed 3. My name is Colin, and I just have to ask, where does the White family live? Um, here, uh, which would be me, my house. Uh, but Creed 3, I'm very excited about this. I was so excited about this that I'm going to be doing this as a solo review today. Uh, I actually, unfortunately, wasn't able to see this with Jamie, who's a huge fan of the Rocky movies and a huge fan of the first two Creed movies because she, along with other people, are protesting this movie because there's no Sylvester Stallone, which I have some opinions on that. Uh, but first, just going over the movie itself. I mean, uh, the, the first two Creed movies obviously kind of, I guess, reinvented the whole reboot idea a couple of years ago. I think it was 2015 when the first Creed came out. And uh, really what they did was they took Rocky from the Rocky series and moved him over to a supporting role, obviously based on his age and uh, maybe the unbelievability of his boxing, and had him mentor Michael B. Jordan, who's playing the illegitimate son of Apollo Creed, his opponent from the first two movies, and then trainer from the next two movies after that, who died back in Rocky IV. Spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen Rocky IV yet, uh, but he dies. Uh, but Adonis, his son, is alive. And I think one of the things that makes this series so different from other reboots is that they don't necessarily dwell too much on the past. Uh, there's there's obviously in the first Creed movies, there's a lot of throwbacks to the original Rocky series, or I guess more callbacks than throwbacks. Rocky himself, obviously more of a trainer in the Creed movies, but uh, he still got uh, his own story. And uh, the first Creed, I absolutely love the movie. I'd actually probably rank that maybe third overall among all the Rocky slash Creed movies. And then a couple of years ago, we got Creed 2, which was kind of a semi-sequel to Rocky 4, uh, while still being a sequel to Creed 2. Uh, although, strangely enough, as I rewatched the first two Creed movies, I... I noticed it actually had more in common probably with Rocky 3 than it did with Rocky 4. Just kind of used the idea of uh, the, the storyline of Rocky 4 uh, setting up Creed and his opponent. But uh, this one's kind of something new. And uh, I guess just first touching on why Rocky isn't there in this one, uh, there's not a lot touched on in the movie. Sylvester Stallone had, uh, I wouldn't even say had a bit of a falling out with the producers, but uh, has long time, I guess, been at odds with them. And it has more to do with uh, his 
contract or I guess the the lack of rights that he has over the character and uh, I guess the lack of uh, revenue that he gets from uh, all the success of the Creed movies and even the Rocky movies going forward, uh, which normally I'd kind of side more on the lines of, you know, th- these producers took a gamble on it and, you know, this is the deal I already had. But I mean, Sylvester's loan has basically put everything on the line for this series to keep it alive. I mean, Rocky Balboa, which as far as I'm concerned, is still the best of the Rocky sequels, the sixth Rocky movie, the final full Rocky movie. Uh, That one, I mean, Stallone basically gave up part of his own salary just to get uh, uh, Antonio Tarver, who played his opponent in that movie, and really fought for years to get made when nobody wanted to get made. There's there's a great scene in Rocky Balboa where he's kind of fighting with the boxing commission to get licensed to fight, which he basically, based on his own experiences, trying to get this movie made. And then over the years, you know, he's lent his voice to video games and everything. But uh, after two Creed movies, he decided, okay I will gladly come back but I would like a little bit more of the rights of what I created which if it was anybody else I'd say well you know that's not the way business works but it's a Sylvester Stallone and I mean that he is this franchise now having said that I didn't protest seeing this movie like Jamie did I was willing to watch it just because I loved what Michael B. Jordan did in the first movies I think they established his own character Uh, and seeing this movie I don't really feel like you miss Rocky's presence, and it's kind of in the way the movie's presented. Uh, It's not really a a movie that you could fit Rocky in here, and I don't know whether that was a result of Sylvester Stallone said he wasn't going to be part of it, so they kind of changed it a little bit, but if there was ever a story that it made sense for Rocky to not be present for is this one. Guess starting, the the main reason is that uh, there's a big time jump in this movie. I mean, the, the movie starts with... Creed, Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan, having a rematch fight against an opponent he had in the first movie, the first Creed movie, which he basically says, this is my retirement fight. I'm done after this. And then you jump forward several years. I think the timeline, like the Rocky movies, gets a little bit confusing uh, because I think it's supposed to be like three years later, but his child is clearly like seven, eight, nine years old at this point, and his child was a baby in the last movie. But either way, uh, it jumps forward several years, and he's basically long retired. And that's one of the things that actually makes this a little bit more interesting than your typical Rocky and Creed movie because it's not just, oh, I'm fighting and I got to make a comeback. He's out of it. And he's actually out of it for a lot more of the movie than I thought he would be. Uh, This isn't going to spoil too much, but I mean, if anybody's seen the trailers, uh, the storylines basically... Jonathan Majors, who of course was amazing in Ant-Man Quantumania. The whole reason that movie works is because of Jonathan Majors. And he's kind of the same thing here. He just steals every scene in this movie. But he's an old friend. We get a lot of flashbacks to uh, Adonis Creed as a child, more than we had in the original Creed. The original Creed kind of starts as he's, I guess, you know, kind of had issues in foster care and has gotten fights and he's in uh, juvie. And uh, Creed's wife, Apollo Creed's wife, who's not his biological mother, decides to take him in and adopt him. Uh, This goes back uh, a little bit after that and shows I guess what it was like for him growing up as a teenager and how he knows Jonathan Major's character and without spoiling too much something happens that you don't really find out until you watch the entire movie they'll go back every half an hour or so and show a little bit more of the flashbacks and then what happened after that what happened after that so by the time you get to the end of the movie you've only just then caught up to speed on what the backstory is between them but uh, that that alone made this a little bit more interesting to watch than you would expect because you see that there's a little bit of a tension between these two guys when uh, Jonathan Majors does come in. And uh, you see also that there's like a friendship there where they really do trust each other. But it's a confusing thing. Like the audience doesn't quite know half the time, am I supposed to trust Jonathan Majors? Am I not supposed to trust him? And even Creed doesn't really know. There's, there's There's one scene where he kind of tries to, I'm not going to say buy him off, but be like, hey, here, slip him a 50, you know, if there's anything you ever need. Uh, and he's almost insulted by that. But 
most of this movie is actually Adonis Creed transitioned into a promoter, not even a trainer, but a promoter. And he's just promoting uh, fights. And he is, I guess, with the gym that he runs with uh, Lil Duke, who is the son. There's a lot of sons in these movies. The son of uh, Duke, who is uh, slash Tony, the trainer of Apollo in the original Rocky movies, later the trainer of Rocky in 4, 5, and 6. His son was in the first two movies, but he gets a much more expanded role this time. And he's kind of running Adonis Creed's gym or his camp. And Adonis is more of the businessman here, which, which actually fits a lot with him being the son of Apollo Creed because you see even in the original Rocky movie Apollo Creed the, the whole reason that that first movie happens the way it does and, and how Rocky kind of gets an advantage is because Apollo didn't necessarily take the fight seriously he was more interested in promoting and making money in the business and now you see Adonis is there although it's not really done where you're supposed to be looking down on the character he's just a business this is his new job he, he's out of boxing and that's it and he kind of gives a little bit of a uh, a bone to his old friend Jonathan Majors and sets him up basically as a sparring partner and from there the story takes off which I won't go into too much details of but uh, if you've seen the trailers Jonathan Majors ends up getting into uh, I guess a, a prominent position and Adonis Creed has to come out of retirement and he has a fight now this is him where they acknowledge you are old <laughs> you are broken and Michael B. Jordan, who directed this movie, I mean, he he does some cool tricks, which even the first Creed movie that Ryan Coogler did, he brought some new kind of visual tricks in that uh, you would never see in the Rocky movies, uh, like graphics up on the screen showing where people's rankings are. And Michael B. Jordan actually goes even further than that in this movie, where you have uh, the sequence where he's trying to train his comeback fight against Jonathan Majors, and... Little Duke, his trainer, is going through, you broke your hand in this fight, and then you'll actually see a flashback to that, and you'll see x-rays of his hand and all that. So he's a very broken-down fighter in this, which which helps because it's hard in any type of sequel, anything post-Rocky 1, to really believe that he's that much of an underdog and yet in every single one of the rocky movies and in all the creed movies you really believe that he is an underdog rocky and then creed are underdogs and i think this is probably the most outside of rocky balboa with sylvester stallone the whole point of that movie was you are a man in his 50s who should not be boxing this one really sells the underdog part of it and it's not even just because jonathan majors is powerful or scary or has a you know this shady background uh because they acknowledge in this movie he's older than creed is you know this guy shouldn't be successful this guy shouldn't be much of a threat but he's angry and he's strong and he has something to prove and creed is over the hill and he's been in business a long time uh so they do a great job of setting up the underdog portion of the fight and then the fight itself michael b jordan also brings kind of a cool visual style to it i mean there's one round of this fight that's basically done where the crowd is kind of blocked out. You know, you have a massive crowd during the fight scene. And then just to, I guess, make more of a point of how personal of a a fight this is between these two guys, uh, the crowd suddenly disappears. And, you know, it's all visual tricks. It's not implying the crowd literally disappeared and vanished. But it it makes it a little bit different than what you normally expect in the the Rocky or Creed movies. Um, There's some problems with this movie it's not a perfect movie although i will say it's it's better than creed 2 which was good for the most part but also had some issues this one has less issues but the one major issue it has is just believability in the second half of this movie uh how jonathan majors gets to the position he does in this movie even the movie itself seems to question it uh there is one line where i guess they're trying to explain it away as to how this guy could be in the position he's in how these fights could even happen uh how he could even get you know, a, a you know 
chance to fight and to to be in i guess major leagues and everything boxing uh and they sort of explain away it's like well yeah but you were an unknown when you fought for the first time in creed one which again completely different story because adonis creed had a semi pro record something they could spin at least uh rocky it was the same thing rocky was a nobody club fighter in the first rocky movie and he was given this underdog shot it was basically a gimmick we're going to give an unknown a shot at the title uh just because they had no other opponents and that was still believable because he was a professional boxer. And the biggest problem with this movie is that Jonathan Majors is not a professional boxer. He has a boxing background, which is important because otherwise it'd be completely unbelievable. But how he's able to become who he is in this movie and even get a fight with Adonis Creed, it goes beyond implausible. If you know anything about the boxing profession as, as corrupt and as much as it is sort of set up half the time, it's still really borderlines on science fiction. Uh, but you kind of ignore it because by the time you get to that point where you realize these two guys are going to fight, this is going to happen and Adonis wants to come out of retirement, uh, you're so tuned into the personal story between these guys, which is probably the best personal vendetta and personal grudge they've ever had in the Rocky and Creed movies uh, that you don't even really care. So as much as that is a problem, as far as believability goes, uh, it's not a problem at all. If you're just really sucked into the personal story between these guys, uh, which again, it happens so subtly throughout the movie that by the time you realize, oh, okay, this is going somewhere, this fight that was advertised, this is how it's going to happen. They just sort of drop in your lap and then you're like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to check out my critic side here and I'm just going to buy into this because it's great. And these two actors are great. Um, Michael B. Jordan, obviously becoming a director. And this isn't just let's give some actor, you know, a shot at directing, which I think is, sometimes it actually bothers me how many actors do get to direct movies because there are plenty of actual directors out there who struggle to find work uh, and even writers or producers who maybe are a little bit more qualified. But the fact that the Rocky movie sort of started Sylvester Stallone, was an actor when the first Rocky movie came out, but he was an actor who was writing a hundred scripts a year and just waiting for something to sell. And he obviously wrote the first Rocky movie. And then by the time he did the second one, he directed it. And Stallone went on to direct a lot of movies. I mean, it almost feels fitting that Michael B. Jordan would direct this movie. And uh, he obviously has some type of invested interest in this character. You know, he cares enough about the character and the world that he's not just flushing it down the toilet. So uh, he treats this movie like Sylvester Stallone would or like uh, Ryan Coogler did in the first one. Uh, and obviously we do get, as I mentioned, you know, call back to the, the first fight uh, in the original Creed movie. And I guess the big surprise, which I didn't even realize until it came very close to the movie coming out, was that uh, Ivan Drago's son, Ivan Drago being the villain from Rocky Four, Dolph Lundgren's character, who came back in Creed Two to basically manage and coach his son towards the title fight. Uh, Ivan Drago's not back, but his son is back. So we get him in not just like a cameo, but a couple of scenes throughout the course of the movie. And you do get the feeling that they're setting up something. I know that there's talk that uh, they wanted to do some type of spinoff with both Dolph Lundgren and uh, with the guy who uh, plays his son in the movie. Um, maybe there's kind of a setup for that, but at the same time, it just feels like, okay, this is what the Rocky movies always did. You know, you didn't just have Apollo as his opponent in one and two. We're going to find a way to bring Apollo in and now make Apollo his trainer or his friend. 
And uh, it's sort of in the tradition of Rocky movies, you're going to bring these people back. But I was actually really surprised, pleasantly surprised at the role that Drago Jr. gets in this movie because it's more than just a cameo. Uh, One thing the movie is lacking that the Rocky movies had is a little bit of comic relief. Uh, The Rocky movies are very funny, but they're like very realistic funny. You know, they're funny in that half the time you don't know whether you want to laugh at it, but it's absurd at times. You know, Polly obviously was uh, Rocky's friend and brother-in-law in the original movies. And these Creed movies don't really have a Polly. And I wish that they had maybe found a way to bring a character in that could be a little bit more of that comic relief. Stallone himself kind of filled that role in the first two Creed movies. And obviously with him not being here, it's a much more serious movie. Uh, not so serious that it's like heavy, but it, it is a full-fledged drama. There's not a lot of lighthearted stuff in here. And there's no innocent character as well. You know, I mean, obviously uh, Creed's daughter is a part of this movie and there's some innocence, I guess, with that. But you do miss a little bit of that uh, innocence uh, and underdog part that you get with Stallone's character in the other movies. Uh, so that's something that's missing here. But I mean, the supporting cast gets a lot to do here. Uh, Tessa Thompson, who obviously plays his wife, uh, you know, she's fantastic in the first two movies. And she's great in this because her character actually evolves a lot. It's completely different than what you get in the first two movies. And I guess Tessa Thompson said in interviews that she insisted certain things needed to change with her character just because it was more realistic. Uh, and in, in almost a way of flipping the way the Rocky movies did it, where Rocky's kind of always the underdog. These Creed movies, Tessa Thompson's character, the wife is almost more the underdog. And it is appropriate where they take her character in this one. I mean, everybody really delivers in this movie. There's a smaller cast, I would say, as far as actual major speaking roles in this than you normally have in the Rocky or Creed movies. But again, it fits for a more personal story. I think when I was going into this movie, I wasn't necessarily expecting that it would be the greatest movie ever. Uh, my feelings on the first two Creed movies, like I said, the first Creed movie was amazing. It was exactly what a reboot should be. It was something completely different while still being in the tradition of the Rocky movies. And then Creed 2, the funny thing is I rewatched all the Rocky movies and Creed movies prior to seeing this. And Creed 2, I, I never quite, quite put my finger on what didn't work about that movie. Uh, but having seen it recently, I, I felt like the first half of that movie, maybe even the first two thirds, which was just sort of building the story and building the characters was amazing. And then once you got to, okay, it's time to train, it's time for the fight, it just sort of became, all right, I've seen this before. And it was lacking a lot of like the 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 uh, the stakes. It didn't feel like there was a lot at stake compared to the other ones. And this one really makes up for that. I mean, the, the stakes feel like they're huge and you don't really see it coming what the stakes are. Uh, even the conclusion, the fight, it, it seems appropriate for what you get of the Rocky movies. You know, some of the Rocky movies, Rocky four being a good example, Rocky three with Mr. T being another, you just have your traditional villain and it's all about good over evil. And this is almost a little bit more where you, you feel like he's such a bad villain, but until you get to the final moments of this movie, you don't realize that maybe there is a little bit more humanized about Jonathan Majors character. Uh, but let, let's say Jonathan Majors, he, he will officially steal every movie that you're in. And <laughs> there's a, a nice moment during the Oscars, which by the way, props to Brendan Fraser, Academy Award winner, uh, props to Kiyu Kwan, props to Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, and props to Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors who came out and presented. And uh, he even kind of made a joke about, you know, how do you actually make a, you know, a, a great movie? And it's basically, I give this guy lines to say. And that's how Jonathan Majors has suddenly become the greatest actor in the world off of Ant-Man, Quantumania, which nobody really liked the movie but loved him and now creed 3 which he finds a way to make you forget that sylvester stallone isn't even there and almost completely overshadows michael b jordan who's the star of this 
but yeah, th this one makes up for, I guess, some of the mistakes with Creed 2 as far as like the stakes for the fight goes. Uh, if I were to rank all of the Rocky and Creed movies, which I definitely do every time I rewatch these movies, uh, Rocky 1 will never be topped. And I already said Rocky Balboa, the, the final Rocky movie, would easily be my number two. Um, I would go with Creed as the number three, the original Creed. Uh, Rocky 2 after that. Rocky 3 after that. Rocky four after that. And then uh, Creed two would kind of be the, the bottom followed by Rocky five, which has a lot of things going for it more than most people give it credit for. But uh, Rocky five kind of just makes a mistake where it's like, it's not necessarily the story you want. It's not, it's not something that you want to get behind everything in that movie and also kind of has problems with the uh, believability. But Creed 3 would probably be somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm still kind of struggling whether I like this more than Rocky 3. And, uh, you know, how I mentioned earlier on that Creed 2, despite being kind of a semi-sequel to Rocky 4, actually had a lot more in common with Rocky 2 and 3. You know, it was about... You know, a guy, obviously there was a thing with him getting married and having a child, uh, him struggling to come back and get back into shape. Motivation had a lot to do with that. Uh, and then you obviously had the Rocky three idea that, you know, he had a bad fight. And then how am I going to beat this guy in the end? I have to completely change my style of fighting. Um, even Creed two with uh, Rocky three comparisons, you know, the, the trainer not wanting to train him. If anybody's seen that movie, but this one actually felt a lot more like Rocky four, uh, because it is more of that personal story. And, it has a lot to do with, I'm going to help a friend, but then how I help that friend isn't necessarily going to be the most helpful thing. And it kind of goes sideways. So I have to clean up my mess. Uh, and I would even say you have some elements of Rocky five thrown in there as well. Uh, just kind of getting back to basics, but, uh, uh, yeah, the, the movie's fantastic. It's sort of a long line. I'd say somewhere in the middle, just like with, you know, Rocky three. Um, but it's a fantastic movie and I, I don't really know where the series is going to go from here because I feel like they ended it off in a way where, if this is the final Creed movie, it's a satisfying ending. It feels like this could be where they end the series, but it also feels like if they chose to come back from here, it wouldn't be stretching it. You'd buy another sequel after this. Um, I still have some issues with how minor details about how they end this movie off. Uh, nothing that takes the enjoyment out of the way, but just more so, oh, I think you could have done it slightly differently like this and achieved the same result. Uh, but uh, obviously, Sylvester Stallone's still open to coming back if he's able to get a slightly better deal for all the work he's put in over the years and, and what he's done with the character. Um, craziest thing, I mentioned the Drago uh, spinoff TV show or movie, whatever it is that they have in the works. Michael B. Jordan's even kind of alluded to, yeah, we're going to be developing a universe, which is very similar like what uh, they're doing with Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid. They're saying we're, we're ending the series, but there's going to be more to come, obviously more spinoffs. Sylvester Stallone himself teased a couple months ago a Rocky prequel TV series that he's working on and even shared, I don't even know if you can find the notes anymore if that was pulled, but he shared his notes, which would have dealt with Rocky as like, I don't know, like 10 years old to 17 years old, him as a teenager and sort of involving like how Rocky would view all these life. I would find fascinating a guy as simple as Rocky, you know, who would see the moon landing and not necessarily realize it's a big deal. <laughs> that would be kind of an interesting show to watch and maybe some background with his character. But I mean, there's obviously more things to come, but I feel like you find a way to end off Creed and Rocky in the same movie and they probably won't quit until they can get there. So it might be five years till we get it, but uh, they've already sold that, you know, Adonis Creed is sort of over the hill and maybe he shouldn't be here anymore. Um, so he's already an underdog if he has to come back in another movie. Uh, that, that I, What I'm going to do with this movie 
movie, I'm hands down going to buy it. There isn't a single Rocky or Creed movie that I wouldn't buy for the record for when we eventually cover all nine of these movies one day. Um, Creed 2, Rocky 4, I do have issues with those movies, but they're still a blast. They're still, you know, movies that I could watch anytime and have watched all the time. Um, and then Rocky 5, which is obviously the weakest of the series. There's still a lot of things to love about that movie. So I would buy all of them. So hands down, going to buy this movie. Um, and yes, crossing my fingers for Creed 4. Uh, Creed, who's who's Creed even going to take on anymore? Creed versus Will Smith. That's what we really need for the next one. Creed versus the slap. Let's bring some real life in there. Adonis Creed is at the Academy Awards where his wife, Bianca, has been nominated for original song or original score or something like that. And Will Smith slaps him and Michelle Yeoh tries to come to his rescue, but Adonis Creed says, no, stand back, Michelle Yeoh. Stand back, Brandon Fraser. I'm going to take on Will Smith myself. That's the Creed 4 that we need to see. Um, so what are the movies we have coming up? Shazam is coming out anytime now, a couple days from now. Uh, I'm seeing it. I've already got my tickets. Ben's going to see it, I'm sure, and we will bring you a review of that because we literally just covered a whole DC month to uh, bring us up to date with all the DC movies that have come out up until this point. Uh, and we're going to do review Shazam. And then uh, following that, we do have uh, 24, obviously. And then all the uh, Australian Canadian movies that are going to be coming up in our next dedicated movie month. Uh, and lots of other movies to review. Cause like this whole month of March, not to mention the rest of March is so stacked full of movies that I'm just dying to see. And, uh, obviously Shazam, John Wick chapter four, Jamie has already said she might sit down with me so we can recap John Wick chapter three. Uh, cause we've already did the first two before the third one came out. Obviously, we'll do a review of that. Uh, and then we got the Dungeons and Dragons movie after that, which has Chris Pine in it, so it's automatically awesome. Uh, but it looked like a good movie, too. And uh, and then one I'm really excited about, the Air Jordan movie, which I think is just called Air, because I looked at the cast for this movie, and it had Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Viola Davis and Jason Bateman and Chris Tucker. Uh, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan. But uh, that's something that I'm really excited about. So uh, we'll have tons of movie reviews coming up in the next couple weeks. And then our Australia Canada month for dedicated movie months. And of course, 24. So in the meantime, go see Creed 3 if you haven't. Or if you've seen it, go see it again. Because I'm dying to see it again. I, I came home with the movie. I said, Jamie, you're going to regret boycotting this movie because it's totally worth it. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll get her on Patreon or something like that to give her feelings on Creed 3 or why she is so adamant that uh, Sylvester Stallone needs to be one of these movies. Uh, we should watch that. Maybe she'll change her mind. I don't know. Uh, but uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin, and women run this household. I just live here. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.